How good was it watching week one of the finals yesterday at Bankwest <laughs> Stadium? The atmosphere for that first game in September. Big crowd. I mean, I'm joking, but it had that feel about it, didn't it? The Eels and the Dragons in front of, again, a crowd which was listed as 25,872. It felt as it felt like when the Eels played the Tigers. It felt like we were watching mm. a game in September and every time the Eels now are at home and they get a crowd like that, they are going to be really hard to beat because... You know, I know they were down 14-0 against the Dragons, but, boy, when you've got that crowd behind you and that noise and that atmosphere and you're scoring the sort of tries they were scoring at times, it felt like a, a much more important game than just a regular season minor premiership game. Didn't it? Hi, everybody. Smith, Russell and Pitt here once again to take you through round eight and look at round nine in the uh, NRL Telstra Premiership. Have I taken it too far? Did it feel like a finals game No, it certainly did. I was back here in studio. Maddie, you had the front... Seat, best seat in the house. I'm so jealous. I have, I'm yet to get to Banquest. It just looked amazing. I felt like I was in another country. I was on Debu. I know we'd had a game there already. I felt like I was in England or the US at some, you know, mega stadium. Great atmosphere. Rain just before kickoff probably kept a few thousand away. But what an asset to sport and rugby league in Sydney, especially this Banquest Stadium. I love the way the Eels do it and the game was. You're right. The tries, the the performances from individuals and the try celebrations. For me, that just completed a wonderful afternoon for everyone but St George Illawarra fans love. Yeah, absolutely. Brad Arthur said that when he was asked whether they can turn it into a fortress, he said, absolutely, but the thing is we need to give fans a reason to come back and the way they're playing in those two games that they've had there, the Parramatta Eels, of course they're going to keep coming back because there was some entertainment overload really. Yes, it was disappointing for... Dragons fans and there were some injuries that played their part, but it was still an exciting game to watch. I Too think. early to call it a, a fortress, I believe, until mm. they've won six of eight there. Or but they just have really to keep winning, season. right? Because exactly. You don't want you want to make it uncomfortable for. You don't want teams to come there and enjoy that atmosphere that we yeah. enjoy. They want to go there and feel daunted by it. I know this has been touched on, probably was, but one of the best parts about the new stadium, one of the best initiatives by Parramatta is to have a corporate area where they have a pre-match function, um, all the food, bells and whistles are there. The team actually walks out yep. through a, a gated tunnel or walkway right through the mingling fans, the, the, the corporates who've paid to be there. It's a, a wonderful addition and uh, for the fans who are there, they get to basically, they could reach out and touch their players as they run onto the field. They don't play there again at home until round 11, the Eels, when they take on the Panthers. A Thursday night game, so it'll be interesting to see what sort of crowd they get for a Thursday night game. And then they're there again, which could be a blockbuster, but unfortunately it's going to be origin affected. In round 12 on the Friday night, standalone game, they take on the Rabbitohs and we'll wait and see how many players from either team are involved in origin. So that will be... Maybe um, you know the Rabbitohs potentially more affected there than the Eels. Um, it's hard to know at this point in time exactly the way it's going to pan out with halves and question marks on different positions and injuries, of course. We've still got a lot of football to be played between round 11 and round 12, but that will be a big game on the Friday night, Eels-Rabbitohs. And, uh, well, the Eels-Panthers, um, the poor old Panthers will need to find something between mm. now and round 11 because, in all reality, by the time they get to that game, their season... Yeah. It could be on life support if it's not on life support as we're talking right now. Um, I just want to take you through, I mean, the talk in at Parramatta before the season started was about Blake Ferguson and what he was going to bring to this team. And he's brought an awful lot to the team, hasn't he? And I thought he was flipping fantastic <laughs> with his tri-celebration yesterday. We are talking about tri-celebrations yeah. a moment ago. I mean, that sort of just that natural moment. Um, mm. We saw Clint Gutherson do a little bit of a... Of dance floor shimmy. A I think cheeky. it's an Elvis shimmy because King Gutho, the king, and when he scores, Elvis plays over the PA system. So it, it all ties in. And in that moment, I think the king did the little Elvis right. jig as... Elvis the Pelvis. I'm just trying to think of what Elvis song it was. I can't remember. Hunk of, hunk of burn well, and you, love. Yeah, Hunk of Burn and Love. <laughs> that was it was. So 
those three elements, King Gutho, the little jig, hunk of burn and love, the synergy there, man, it was fantastic. You spoke to him after the game, Maddie. We just recorded Try Time. We used the interview that you did with him and you asked him about his celebration and he said he can't do a backflip, so that's why he brought <laughs> out the jig. And he just said he's having he's having fun and oh, I couldn't stop smiling watching that interview and also watching all the celebrations this weekend. There were so many of them and, like, it just made me... It just made me happy and, and wanted to enjoy the spectacle that is rugby league again. The Goanna for in honour of Greg Inglis was was wonderful to yep. see. Obviously, none of us knew it was going to happen and then some players chose to do it. Some did it really well, others not so well, which is also quite funny watching John, John Sutton try and... <laughs> I reckon we had the Goanna, the gecko and the blue tongue lizard yeah, exactly. all in one night. So fun. And then the backflip, as you said, we had the wallaby from Latrell Mitchell three times, you know, scored three tries and then finishing it off with the gutho jig, which I just want to see more of. Please, please, please don't let a stressed, grizzled coach get his players in the group and say, I don't want to see any post-game celebrations. So long as it's not contrived crap, let the natural enthusiasm show because schoolyards around Australia this morning, you'll you'll have kids (laughs) trying to do the corkscrew backflip. God forbid (laughs) there might be teachers taking kids to the casualty ward. If you would, you could though, wouldn't you? Absolutely I I would. If I could do a Furgo backflip, (laughs) if I was walking down the shops to buy the milk and the bread, I would do a backflip (laughs) on the way to the shops just because I could. Imagine it at a wedding reception, you know, like 10.30 at night. Yeah, yeah. You think, okay, I better make my mark here. I'll do the (laughs) corkscrew backflip. So good. So good. <laughs> I'm a chance with one of the bridesmaids. I'm going to do the backflip to really impress her oh. and then slip on a bit of ice on the dance floor and, and break your shoulder or something. Do you know, um, I'll tell you a little Matt Russell story. <laughs> I could do a backflip off a table. What? I couldn't do it from a standing start off a table. How so long did we go? Uh, this was, Can uh, I tell you when? Saturday when? night in Wagga Wagga. No, I no, heard a story really? about the amount of beers this man was carrying uh, at the anyway, pub. Anyway, I, I was in Bali with a mate. And I uh, did a backflip off a table at a restaurant, got my feet stuck in the fishing net that was hung up above the restaurant for effect (laughs) and landed on my hand and spent the rest of the holiday having to keep my hand up here because I think there was something broken in there. Whenever I lowered it, the blood rushed to my hand and it throbbed. So I wasn't game to go to the Bali doctors. So the night one hijinks cost me any sort of... uh, any sort of fun on oh. Anyway, moving along, was what were you saying? <laughs> I was going to just add on to the back of the whole uh, try celebration talk. We need a Fijian celebration because the oh, Fijians yeah. in general are fairly humble people, so respectful, fantastic um, people. And Mike Acevo, when he scored his try yesterday, he just gets up and, you know, usually there might be a little kiss and a point to the sky or something like that because they're very religious as well. But I want to take you through his try because... They've been looking for somebody to replace semi Rad Radra, and it's very hard to replace like for like. And sometimes you just need to find another way to get the same sort of output in a different capacity. But Mike Acevo is fast developing into the very next semi Rad Radra, playing on that same side of the field. And the try he scored yesterday, which gave them the lead for the first time, I want to take you through it just very quickly because it's off the kick return. They start inside their own 20 and Clint Gutherson just says, here you go, runs to the left-hand side, gives him a chance to just maybe hit the hit the line hard and get a legs tackle. And, but he just bursts through the tackle of Lomax and Ravalawa. Then he beats Ben Hunt in cover. After that, he changes hand from his right hand to his left hand because he feels he's got the, the pressure coming from the inside. He changes arms to beat Dufty. And then having beat Dufty, he changes hands back from the left hand to the right hand because he's obviously a natural right-hand carrier and wants to dive and put the ball down in his right hand. It was such a great piece of athleticism to be able to run, to burst through tackles, to evade chases, to change hands, all of this happening, and doing it without even thinking. Mm. I'm sure if you asked him, what did you do? He'd say, I just ran and I scored a try. But just all these natural instincts of changing hands and knowing where the the pressure is from the inside and having to, again, and he he was holding the ball in, like like as Michael Enna said, a zucchini let alone an <laughs> apple, um, it was a great piece of athleticism. I've just been waiting to see him in open space and now he's had that opportunity. It's just so exciting to watch and um, I think we saw Ravalawa also part of a great try. It wasn't even the best try on the day and it was such an incredible try, the Matt Dufty try. We, we watched it through at half time. 
time here in studio and and virtually Braith had to call it like a commentator because it was such an incredible effort with I think six or seven players uh, with getting their hands on the ball. But, um, yeah, Sevo, incredible. I'm just watching it back on my phone again just to, pretty cool. as you were calling it just then, just to get my <laughs> head around it. And you know what? When they had Rad Radra, when the ball went to Rad Radra, a bit like Chika Ferguson and, and Eric Groth in generations past, the crowd gets out of its seat in anticipation. That's when you know you've got a special player on the wing. Every time they touch the ball, the, the crowd noise and tension goes up. That's the way it's becoming with Mike Sevo. And what the hell was he doing to the Group 9 competition when he was playing with Gundagai recently. Like, he must have been destroying them out in bush footy. Mm. Yeah. And, and yesterday, the, the Fijians going at it, Ravalawa, Sivo, it was 1-0 Sivo, then Ravalawa said one try each, and then Sivo finished in front, as did Parramatta. Uh, surely we'll see more and more Fijians coming to the NRL. I well, hope so. Yeah, we've touched on this in the past, you know, having been over there on holidays and stuff, and you just, you know, see, as we said, we, you go and play the 4 o'clock touch footy game, as the sun's going down and, the, you know, the heat has been taken out of the day a little bit and uh, we just and, uh, the, uh, whoever's working on the island or the resort you're staying at, you just think, well, how much talent is over here? It's ridiculous, yeah. honestly. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's still the great untapped market for rugby league talent and, and obviously it's a rugby union in the main part, nation, but, you know, it's as Mike Acevo is proving, there is uh, so much ability in the Fijians and to play on the wing or in the forward pack as uh, Tui Kamakamitha does and Petro Sivanasiva yeah. obviously did throughout his career. Um, yeah, fantastic to see. And, you know, and there's still less than a million Fijians living in Fiji, but they are punching way, way above their weight in the NRL at the moment. It's no surprise. Um, of the other games to catch your eye over the weekend, you mentioned Latrell Mitchell with the, the kangaroo ears. Is it, is it the I've, I've always is thought it kangaroo it was, or wallaby? Wallaby. Yeah, is it wallaby. wallaby ears. I I've always thought so. it was the kangaroo it, ears. But I don't know. Everyone's anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, get, well, I could be wrong. Well, well, I'll ask Latrell next time I catch him at Roosters training or somewhere yeah. else on a golf course or something if I bump into him. Um, but it's harder not – I play golf at Bonnie Doon Golf Club. Does Latrell play golf? Half the Roosters are members now. Half the Waratahs are members. It's hard to step onto the place and not bump into a rugby league or rugby union player. Have you seen Latrell play? I haven't seen Latrell play. I've seen Luke Keary, Nat Butcher. Tedesco. Uh, James Tedesco, Vic Radley play. Um, Luke Keary's probably the pick of the crop okay. as far as that crew is concerned. So the boys really enjoying their golf. They were there last Wednesday playing in the comp. I mentioned that during the commentary on Saturday night as they were beating the Tigers. Um, they love their golf. It's a great outlet, a bit of exercise. Um, James Tedesco tests out his knee, makes sure his knee's all right with a bit of a walk around the 18 <laughs> holes. So he's all good to go, which is fantastic. But Latrell. You know, I said as he scored his first try in a league of his own, he really is at the moment, isn't he? It's it's just just marvellous to watch him do what he does. Mm. And again, seems to do it so easily. And he's not even finished. That's what Trent Robinson said after the game. He said he had probably not the best of preparations. He couldn't train on Tuesday and he just had a you know pretty average week leading mm. into the game. And he, everyone kept asking him, was it a 10 out of 10 performance? And he said, oh, I don't even want to put a ceiling on him because he's going to just get better. Like we know that this is just the beginning for him. And yeah. that's so exciting. He was asked about Latrell um, at the press conference he did the day before the captain's Oh, yeah. And, and that sort of came up and someone asked him about Latrell in regards to where he is, you know, in the, in, in the league. And he said, you know, he almost intimated like he's above the league. Mm. Like he didn't want to say it, um, <laughs> Trent Robinson, but mm. you could just sense like there's no cap on what he could yeah, do. Yeah, and he wants to create as... his own level. You know, yeah. he wants to go there and for a long, long time and be consistent. He doesn't want to just be compared to the GIs that everyone always does. He wants to be his own his own level of exceptional ability. We were watching in Wagga Wagga on Saturday night in the library, uh, enjoying uh, the coverage that Fox League was giving us. And my producer, Nathan Brooks, said that is the greatest performance, individual performance in the NRL era, to which I shouted him down. And so he posted it on Twitter and, sure enough, got uh, shouted down as well, recency bias. It was a wonderful 10 out of 10 performance. But when it comes to the ceiling being higher, what about the fact that he was so dominant, three tries, two try assists and whatever else, but he only had six runs. So that's the fewest runs of any of the back five at the Roosters. His 13 possessions were the fewest of any starter barring Jared Warrior Hargreaves. So 
Not many runs in comparison to the back five. Not many possessions in comparison with the rest of the team. Yet he's a 10 out of 10 performance. So yeah. putting that, all that together, if he sees more of the ball, what are we going to see from Latrell Mitchell? Yeah. Yep. And Andrew Johns was talking about that at times last year and potentially one of the reasons he's no longer with the Roosters because of that uh, situation. He's, you know, he's a coach one minute for the Roosters as he was in the past and then he's on TV talking about them and the way things work out, a very difficult situation. So I think it's probably better for both parties that um, he made a choice one way or the other. And you know, But he was always saying last year, "What you've got this Ferrari, don't keep the Ferrari in the garage. Give the Ferrari a, a chance to get out and put the foot to the floor. Remember when Jared Hayne was on fire that season and I interviewed Nathan Hindmarsh about a big game coming up and said, you know, how are you going to tackle it? And he goes, just give the ball to Jared. It's a bit like playing schoolboy footy. You just give the play, ball to the best player in the team. Well, right now, you're just giving the ball to Latrell, aren't you, if you're the yeah. Sydney Roosters? Yeah, uh, just incredible. It's so strong, uh, so skillful. The little the kick he put back on the inside, having shrugged away from two or three defenders and then that deft little kick back on the inside and the ball bounced up beautifully for Luke Keery. Uh, the tightrope run down the sideline. Yeah, I love that. I mean, and he just made Moses and by. Looked like he was chained to a lamppost. He just went past him so comfortably, didn't he? I mean, it's just crazy what he can do at the moment. Then he takes the intercept and runs down the other side of the field in the second half as well for his second try. So, um, yeah, he is in literally in a league of his own, I think, at the moment. But just as far as, you know, recency bias and where does it stand in the NRL era, well, Jared Hayne. Yeah, let's go back to 2009. You know, I know it's 10 years ago now, but seriously, what Jared Hayne did every game... He just carried that Parramatta Eels side across the line on his back week after week after week and won the Dalian medal by some stretch in doing so. So mm. I haven't still haven't seen anybody do what Hayne was doing in one of those any one of those games, um, and then for a you know four five six seven eight week period, it was ridiculous. He owned the NRL, Jared Hayne, at that stage. Well, Brooksy received a torrent of friendly and not so friendly responses, <laughs> and each response reminded us of some wonderful performances mm-hmm. individually we've seen from 98 onwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else from the weekend? I mean, if we go all the way back to Thursday night, the big win by the Rabbitohs against the Broncos, um, which just added to the woes of Brisbane, who are now two and six. They won one of their first four games in the first month, and we said back after round four, if they only win one of their next four in the second month of the season, they'll be in all sorts of trouble, and that's exactly what they've done. And um, we'll talk about them in a moment as far as the our report card, our round eight report card, but um, things are happening now suddenly up there mm. in Brisbane. Uh, Cody Nicarima uh, no longer with the club. Uh, it would appear that Anthony Seabold has had to, you know, had the courage to make the decision that maybe Wayne Bennett didn't want to make last year. He probably figured I didn't have a replacement for Cody Nicarima, but um, Anthony Seabold certainly thinks that Tom Dearden is his replacement and will be the halfback in the foreseeable future for Brisbane, despite still being a teenager. And now we hear that James Roberts and Jermaine Isarco are very much on the outer in Brisbane also. Yeah, it sounds like they've been put in uh, the the reserve-grade training bibs. Uh, that's what there's reports out of Brisbane uh, training this morning. So, you know, there's been a bit of talk around whether James Roberts is happy at, at the Broncos. So do you really need a player in your team week in, week out when you're playing the way you are that's not happy? Probably not. And maybe Seabold was doing, you know, the thing that fans wanted to see, which is play your stars. But if they don't want to be at the club, I think he's probably got no other choice but to make some bold decisions given their season is slipping slipping away. Well, the, the moment Greg Inglis announced his retirement, James Roberts was linked with the Rabbitohs and sometimes that just gets tossed up as a bit of an idea. But where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm. That story just won't go away. And there are mm. lots of links for James Roberts, obviously through Wayne Bennett and also the South Sydney Club in general. Um, and it wouldn't be a surprise in any way if in the next week or two James Roberts finds himself at Redfern if they do have the cap space and if they can make it work and somehow, some way, clubs tend to be able to make it work and they really want a player to swap uh, pretty quickly. The Warriors have been able to do that with Cody Nicarima. Uh, the Broncos have got a bit of space now. So uh, things are in very much a state of flux and maybe 2009 for the Brisbane Broncos, uh, 2019 rather, um, is just a transition year where yeah, it's not the smooth transition that um, Anthony Seabold and the club management were certainly hoping for. It might be a year which is pretty much a write-off. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, we, this year's a bit of a, you know, we'll burn this year to get the club and in the shape that the coach wants it in for 2020 and onwards. And who knows 
what the starting lineup for round one in 2020 for the Broncos might look at, look like because I think there's likely to be quite a few more changes between here and the end of this current season. I watched on Thursday night. I was at the ground. I watched Tommy Dearden closely, 18 years and 50 days of age. And there were a couple of times he had ball in hand running across field as the big South Sydney forwards sweated on him and he was looking for a runner and there was no Brisbane Bronco putting his hand up to say, I'll take it forward, Tommy, get in behind me. And twice I saw that and thought, there's something not working here. But, but aside from Brisbane, I watched Cody Walker explode mm. again in the start of that game. I thought he was outstanding. But for me, it was Sam Burgess who every time South Sydney were under a little bit of pressure or there was a bit of momentum starting to build for the Broncos, who should bob up with a, a powerhouse run or a, a tackle that stopped the opposition on the spot? It was Sam Burgess who just timed his involvement and they were quality involvements to perfection. Without exception, whenever there was a pressure moment, Sam would be there with a tough carry or a big shot as he does week in and week out and it was on display beautifully against the Broncos. Didn't we talk this time last week about who would manage the week better and we we really pleaded that both clubs would buy into the drama and how well did Wayne Bennett Mm. really play the lead-up to this game? He sat down with nearly every media outlet on, I think it was Tuesday, and gave his heart and soul, um, and then all of his players spoke during the week. And maybe that's a thing. You're getting out all the all the emotion around this game and then you can go out there and, and do your best. And I guess for Seabold it probably was a thing where, you know, you put everyone up there, maybe they're going to say something that you don't want want them to say. But, yeah, it felt like going into it, the Rabbitohs had handled everything in the lead-up so much better and they'd had, they'd had no pressure on their shoulders. Yeah, and, yeah, Wayne's in the nice position where he's walked into a team which should have gone closer to winning the premiership last year than they did. They fell on their own sword in a number of ways um, on the field and off the field, winning two of their last seven games, as it turns out, where the Broncos, I think we are still seeing, you know, if Wayne Bennett was at the Broncos right now, do you think the Broncos would be going any better than they are? Maybe fractionally. I don't think the coach makes that much of a difference. I think we saw... Um, you know, the way they exited the, the finals last year, that, that shocking loss to the Dragons in week one, um, that summed up last season for mine for the Broncos. And I think we're seeing in the first couple of months of the season where they're actually at. And it is very much a, yeah, a changing of the guard up there in lots of ways, not just the coaching, but also the playing roster. And they've got all these young forwards coming through. But, you know, Darius Boyd, he's not the player he once was. Um there's a drama with James Roberts and Jermaine Osako. Anthony Milford um, is now, you know, in charge of the ship. But has he proven in the past that he is the man to be in charge of the ship mm. when the waves are getting their, their roughest? I, I just don't, you know, there's lots of things about them that aren't working and I don't think it would matter whether Wayne Bennett, um, Craig Bellamy, anyone you name was in charge of the Broncos right now. I think it would be... A pretty tough uh, road for them to hoe. And maybe on Thursday night they just ran into a really confident, flowing team in South Sydney because Cody Walker now has 21 try involvements for the season. Try involvements are tries, try assists or try contributions. 21, Cody Walker alone. To put it in perspective... Penrith have scored 18 tries total yeah. through eight rounds. So Cody has been involved with more tries individually than Penrith have mustered as a team. Mm. And when you look at those bottom five teams, Warriors, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Penrith, Canterbury, you could mount an argument that Penrith is the crisis club of the league right now because two and six says they're not going to win a premiership. They'll be lucky to make the finals. And the injuries they picked up in Wagga Wagga, Bill Kickow, Isaiah Yo, Malachi Wateni Zalesniak, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Jimmy Maloney might be suspended. Liam Martin might be suspended. Uh, Nathan Cleary left the field early. It was a trail of destruction in Wagga Wagga for the Penrith Panthers. They didn't get the points, but they paid a big price for even running onto the field, Penrith. Which might well lead us into our round eight report card. One third of the way through the season. We did this last year. It's like the end of uh, term. And here's uh, the report card of how your kid went at school. Boy, that's a scary prospect <laughs> in the Smith household at the moment. Um, you open up those, or something, you open up that email. You don't get an envelope these days. You sort of open up the email and sort of look through fingers, don't you? To You've see. got to find the password to log on. We can never find the password. We're sweating on these reports and we can't find the password. Yeah, and if my parents were listening to this, 
they would be chuckling because they'd be, they'd be going, oh, this is exactly what we went through with you, <laughs> you massive underachiever, you. Uh, so I got 13% in the maths exam once was. Well, that's pretty good. That's, algebra. That's got me sent to, to Bathurst to Even with school. A, B, C and D, that's pretty hard <laughs> uh, to do. Okay, so keep the first weekend of October free. These are the teams I have, and you, uh, both of you um, shoot me down in flames or whatever you want to do. Um, roosters, Rabbitohs. Raiders, the Storm and the Sharks, the fans of all those teams should still be keeping the first weekend of October free. I feel like you are very... Generous? Generous. I think the only team you can definitely say that about at the moment is the Roosters. Oh, come on. The rabbit. What about the Rabbitohs? Definitely, though. Definitely know, keep it free. If I'm a Rabbitohs fan, I'm keeping the. I'm not. There's no um, weddings mm, being booked I'm keeping for October top 6. four finals, but I don't know. You can't say for sure at this point that they're going to... It's a, it's a long season ahead. But, okay, I, I feel like there's a lot of contenders that have put their hand up in the first eight well, weeks. So keep free the first weekend in October. The Sharkies, you're backing them to come good, was I? Well, I've, yeah, I've, I've seen enough from them and we know what you're going to get from them. And I think when Matt Moylan and Wade Graham are back on deck and they get so much more attack um, and Sean Johnson is back and while Sean at times can be rocks and diamonds. I think if in amongst their best 17, he is such an asset to that team with what he can do. Um, I, and he, it may well be the team he's just been looking to play in. If they can keep, get them all healthy at the second half of the season, I really think that they're, uh, they're still a very significant chance to win the Premiership. At this time last year, the eventual Premiers, the Roosters sat in eighth spot, four wins, four losses. Yeah, you guys the were Sharkies, horrible about them. The Sharkies are seventh, four wins, four losses. So they're identical to what the Roosters were this time last season. And when it comes to all the Cronulla stars set to return, there's a star who has emerged big time, uh, Britain Nakore. Nakora? Nakora. Nakora. Getting, Nakora. Fantastic. We're getting Nakora and yeah. Nakore mixed yep. up, Parramatta and Cronulla. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he has been fantastic. Mm. He's been pretty good um, and is now on the radar to play for Michael Maguire in the New Zealand uh, squad um, in the near future, so we'll mm. see how it pans out for him. But, boy, he, he so much speed as an edge-back rower, um, and he was very good again um, in the win against the Melbourne Storm. And, Rooster, before we move on, your Roosters, obviously they're going to be everyone's pick for keeping the first weekend in October free. If they had not lost round one to South Sydney, would we be talking about them, their chances of going through a season unbeaten? And when you, go, when you go back to that loss in round one, remember they played the World Club Challenge in early February went over there and their stars didn't play again until that game in round one. So they went the best part of four weeks, um, the, the majority of all those players without playing uh, a game. The, the final trial game they played two weeks before the comp started against Manly, it was the Roosters reserve grade side. So um, they were a bit underdone for round one, mm. but they've been and pretty this, good ever since. They've they? scored 20-plus points in every game except for that, that game and there's there's so much upside. Whilst they were unbelievable against the Tigers, if they'd been perfect, it could have been 60. You know, they weren't perfect. No. So they've not been perfect yet. That's been the theme, that yeah. they've done it in patches and, and God help the team. Yeah, that when they the finally do when that they do 80, 80 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I say it's just them for me. They're so far ahead of everybody at the moment. Long way to go. Yeah, yeah no. long way to go. I Let's think... replay this in 20 weeks and have a really <laughs> Well, we'll go through it again in eight weeks eight when we weeks, do the yeah. end of uh, so se- second term report card. Summarise it for us. Who are keeping the first weekend in October free was? Roosters, Rabbitohs, Raiders. I think we've seen enough from the Raiders. Yeah. Obviously, I want to see the, you know, their form line against you know, the likes of the Roosters and others. But yeah. this weekend I'm, they've got Melbourne. I'm happy uh, to see them you know, in that sort of category. I'm not saying that they can't win the competition. And, and backing that up, they beat Penrith impressively without Rapana, Tapani, Leilua and losing John Bateman early. So don't look and say, oh, well, Penrith lost all those players. They were never going to win that game. Mm-hmm. Mm. We might be contenders. The next category is filled by the Eels, the Sea Eagles and the Dragons, um, who despite the loss yesterday, they've got injuries at the moment, of course, and still no Jack DeBellin. We're still wanting to find out what may or may not happen in regards to his situation. But I've got them on the next line below those top five because I think while I can see them there, I think they're all definitely finalists. They should be. They'll be disappointed in three of those if they miss the finals in 2019. But I just can't. I think they're maybe just a season away potential. I just can't see those three 
winning the premiership at this stage. Things may change and develop, but... Isn't it unbelievable that you've got Manly in there? Well, it is because they are, they are the massive overachievers of the season so far. And they did it again, albeit against the Bulldogs, who their form hasn't been that great for the most part this season. But, but they're just going to be a tough they're, team. This, they're, the they are year. a tough team. Yeah. And, and when they get those players back. Des has got something going over there. Yeah. And when Tom Travojevic is back and when DCE is back, I can see them, um, you know, they're a sort of team that I can see making at least week two of the finals. And if they surprise and keep developing, then who knows, a preliminary final or, you know, a grand final. I, I'm saying a grand final is beyond them right now. Mm. But I can see they're like a, a week two of the finals team. The only tempting thing to do here, I believe, would be to move St. George Illawarra up to that uh, first category. I, I still think they can handle the absence of Corey Norman with that fractured cheekbone. They might get uh, Gareth Witter back later in the season, depending on how they survive the origin period. Maybe they can emerge from that. Uh, this time last year, they were seven and one on top of the table, Lara. Remember that? Mm. <laughs> yeah, so this is a different challenge. And I think that no, the injuries no, are definitely going to – I'm not buying into it. I, I still have the Dragons as contenders. I would drop the Raiders back from keep the first weekend of October free back to uh-huh. contenders because yep. I just think, uh, as you said, it's they've got to face the top teams right. still and, and do it comfortably or, or be really competitive if they don't win um, – to, to convince me that they're ready for the, a grand final, but they're up there definitely with the, one of the, the most improved teams in the competition. Uh, I have the Dragons as contenders as well. And, yeah, I can't believe Manly. They're the big shock for me. <laughs> Canberra's defence is outstanding. That's why yeah. I reckon they're in that top group up yeah. to their yeah. eyeballs. Next category, is there a chance we actually suck? <laughs> and we've touched on both these teams. We won't talk too much about them, but the Broncos... And the Panthers, with so many expectations on both squads heading into 2019. And this category is always filled, as it was last year, at this stage by the Roosters, by the team or teams who have the big expectations on them, who are expected to do better than they have done to this point of the season. And the Broncos and the Panthers, they have underachieved dramatically. And in reality, at at two wins and six losses, if you need if you need a minimum 12 wins to make the finals, and it's likely you probably need 13. We won't know. We'll get a better idea as the season goes on. But let's say you, let's say you need 12 wins. They've got to win 10 of their remaining uh, 16 games. Not going to happen. Uh, it's hard to say that the Broncos and the Panthers, both of them will do that to get to 12 wins, and 12 may not be enough. They might need 11 wins from this point on. Mm. That's 11 and 5 over the final 16 weeks of the season. So their task is huge already. And was uh, last year, let's go back 12 months again, look at the teams that were like those teams you just mentioned, Brisbane and Penrith, at 2 and 6 last year. It was Manly, Canterbury, North Queensland and Parramatta. All of them failed to fire a shot from this point on. They... they Missed the final significantly. Yep. So uh, it, using that as a, any sort of guide, it doesn't look good for the teams on two and six, including Brisbane and Penrith. Oh, they, they can't make – I'm going to say right now, I'm going to put a Redfield pen through both the Broncos and the Panthers. I don't think – I know the Panthers proved two years ago when they were two and seven that they could get it going and mm. make the finals. But there's an X factor missing there at the moment. They haven't found a way to replace what – Matt Moylan and Tyrone Peachy could do for them in the past. I know they lost Moylan a season and a half ago, Peachy just at the end of 2018, but they haven't got that X factor going at the moment. There's so much just not happening there for them. We've spoken about the Broncos. Mm. I don't think they can either of them can make the finals. I'm not going to put the Cowboys in the same category of the way they're playing as the Panthers, but what I will say is that if they don't have Jason Tomalolo, they probably are in the is there a chance we actually suck category at the moment because they're winning, they're not winning terribly consistently, they're losing and then they, you know, they just don't have any strike without him. Mm-hmm. And now he's back, yes, maybe they'll win a couple of games. I'm just not convinced that, that they're um, their top eight material, but just through the first eight rounds. And I, I, a lot of people thought that they probably would be. Did you have them in your eight to start the year? I had the Cowboys in my eight. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And I feel like after the first eight weeks, I don't know that I would anymore. Well, I had Newcastle in the top four. Was Have you mentioned them yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> well, then you, you <laughs> should have. They're, they could be going to Bali. <laughs> they're, they're in our next category, which is we just like to make it to September. 
And the Tigers, the Knights and the Cowboys are in that category. And I think this is the category for the teams who, you know, are just outside the eight or thereabouts at the moment, the Knights and the Cowboys, or they're both three and five. But, you know, if they can get it going and there's signs of the Knights and whatever you've got, Kalen Ponga, um, and if Mitchell Pearce can keep playing as he did again yesterday against the Warriors, um, he is the Jekyll and Hyde of the competition at the moment in the halfback role. Um, he had some disappointing games earlier in the season, but you could say that about lots mm. of his teammates over the first six weeks of the season. But great signs in the last couple of weeks for the Newcastle Knights. I still think there's more wins in them Mm. Uh, potentially than losses between here and September, but they'll need to keep doing what they've done in the last fortnight. The Cowboys, you've touched on them, Lars, with Jason Taumalolo probably holds the key for them. And the Tigers, well, I think the Tigers, not a bad team, but they're pretty much, you know, where they have been for a couple of seasons now. Mm. Uh, Is it too tough to say they specialise in mediocrity, the Tigers? Uh, is, is that too hard? I think they're a good example of how we get really excited after the first couple of weeks of the competition and everyone was carrying on about how good Madge's pre-season drills are and that they're the fittest they've ever been, the Tigers. And, they, you know, they, we, I guess you, you can think early after a couple of wins that they could actually do something, but then it all spectacularly has fallen apart for them. Yeah, I might be taking, I'm reading too much into what happened on Saturday night because Ryan Madison played 5-8. They didn't have Josh Reynolds, didn't have Benji Marshall, and they didn't have a lot in attack as a result. Um, so, you know, they, they can probably win their share, the Tigers, but I'm going to say they'll be, you know, with two or three weeks to go, they'll be in that, you know, eighth or maybe ninth, tenth, eleventh position where they had maybe just a chance to sneak a eighth spot uh, and probably come up just a fraction short as they've done for, you know, a couple of seasons. I'm content with that group was, although with the avocados on the line, I'm backing the Knights to come good and be in top eight contention later on in the season. Tigers, Cowboys, I, I concur. Avocados. So, so <laughs> it's a great saying by uh, <laughs> one of my somebody ball commentating colleagues, somebody who lives up north in Cairns. There you go. Who, when the game's on the line, his saying is it's time for player A or someone in team B to strap on the avocados and win this game. If you live in Tasmania, you're not talking avocados, <laughs> no. are you? The final category, is it Barley or Byron Bay? And <laughs> I get injured in Bali, so it's got to be Byron Bay. So who's going there was? Uh, they're choosing between in, where they're going to be in September for their holidays already. I think <laughs> they're speaking to uh, Webjet or Flight <laughs> Centre, making plans for September because they're not really banking on being around uh, when the big games are happening. The Warriors, the Bulldogs and the Titans. Not Anyone you're unhappy idea. with there? No, nah, nah, absolutely, absolutely. But who's been the most disappointing out of those three? Warriors. Mm-hmm. This but, time last year they were second. Sorry, they were third. Uh, yes, they've lost Sean Johnson. Uh, they have lost some games this season where you'd say, gee, they played well and, and with an ounce of luck would have won that game. But to be beaten at home against Newcastle the way they were, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Warriors, come on. Yeah. Come on. They've been super disappointing. The, the Bulldogs are still, you know, they are coming off an absolute club implosion. The place has rarely been at a lower ebb, never been at a lower ebb. In my lifetime as a rugby league follower, uh, the Bulldogs, off the back of everything that happened with the former management and the former coach and the salary cap disaster that ensued, they are still very much um, you know, a team that is a couple of seasons away from being back where they would like to be. And I think at this stage, you know, they'll have their little moments as they did uh, at the back end of the last season, but it won't be enough to be around in September. So uh, Bali or Byron Bay for the Bulldogs. And it's not it's only a short drive from the Gold Coast to Byron for the Gold Coast Titans. So they may, may decide, let's go get out of the country and go to Bali. I think, you know, the Titans are still... Uh, uh, something needs to happen. I'm, I'm, I just don't know where they're at as a club. Uh, and if you're talking relocation or expansion and the shape of the premiership in years to come, what happens with the Gold Coast Titans and do they stay on the Gold Coast? They've got like to there's, stay there. It's you, such a big area around it now. You drive from Gold Coast to Brisbane, there's not a there's houses and people the whole way was. It's a huge area. It's just a, a sporting Bermuda Triangle. Yes, it though. has been. But For every code that's We've just got to make it work. We've just got to make it work. And other clubs, other sports haven't. We've got to and we will. Anyway... Uh, it's either Bali or Byron Bay. Now, I can see, Larry, you have poised your thumb on the iPhone because there's breaking news yeah, as we speak. Yeah, there is. No 
good news possibly coming for the Broncos at all at the moment. Andrew McCulloch, some pictures here on social of him being carried from the field at training with a, what appears to be a serious right knee injury. Oh. Report saying he's in severe pain, doesn't look good. So oh, this, no. this Queensland curse at the moment injury-wise just continues. Mm. You know, I know that Corey Norman was around the fringes of the origin discussion, but fractured cheekbone. Now McCulloch, the incumbent hooker, gets injured. That follows Daly Cherry Evans, who was injured, Jake Friend, mm-hmm. who was injured. Kevy Walters is thinking, hang on, this has got to stop. This has got to stop mm-hmm. at some stage. But, boy, it just keeps on coming. That's... Just as they let Cody Nicarima go as well. And, and Josh Maguire with a calf injury mm. on the weekend. We, we saw some, uh, you know, Clubs play big prices over the weekend for injuries and so many of them seem to be blokes who'd normally wear maroon. Can we just second-guess that? And that's you brought up a good point as far as the injuries and Cody Nicarima. I, obviously, you've made the, if you're Anthony Seabold, you've made the decision, um, and as I said, maybe the decision that Wayne Bennett wasn't prepared to make last season, that Cody Nicarima isn't your halfback going forward and you don't see a place for him in the club. But... You know, <laughs> It's a fair replacement in case of, you know, press, break this glass in the case of emergency. If Tom Dearden was to hurt himself, well, then who's the halfback for the Broncos, you know, beyond him? And now Andrew McCulloch, well, Cody Nicarima could play some dummy half quite obviously if he, if needed to. So um, they've made themselves a little bit thin, haven't they, for, you know, players with whatever NRL games under their belt who can either play at dummy half and or in the half. So, um, And the they, flip side is was... Why did the Warriors buy Cody Nicarima? Where are they going to use him? Given that Chanel Harris-Tavita uh, is there, that the Blake Green is serving the job. They've got Isaac Luke as the hooker. Chan, um, behind that, Nathaniel Roach, Jazz Tavanga can play nine as well. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem like they desperately needed a Cody Nicarima player right now. Yeah, and it might be just one of those, and we see clubs do it all the time, grab a player just because he's available. And, and you go through a whole host of players who've been signed by clubs in recent times under that. I mean, Josh Dugan was signed by the Sharks. Did, the, did they need Josh Dugan when he signed? I mean, and he's obviously playing fullback at the moment, but you know, Matt Moylan's going to come back and you're going to have that old, yeah. where does Josh Dugan play in this back line? in the second half of the season. And Adam Kieran was a name I didn't mention. They want him to become a centre, but he's still there as a halves option. So you've got three halves. That's before I mentioned Hayes Perham. So there are four sixes and sevens. I've mentioned three nines. And you go out and buy Cody Nicarima. A bit bewildering in my humble opinion. Mm, speaking of Queensland injuries, I just wanted to bring up just quickly the Daily Cherry Evans uh, in the injury that he's had. I read in the paper Christian Nicolucci on the weekend said he's moved to his in-laws to... Help with his recovery. Did you hear? Did you read no. this story? So, because he needed to move away from his three little daughters because he needs, he, you know, in case. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just find this so funny that he's had to leave his missus and his three kids and just focus on his recovery. He's moved to the spare bedroom around the corner at his in laws. Just that's how determined he is to get back on his feet to play Origin. So he can't strap himself to the ice machine while the kids are around. I don't know because he I said he's got an eighteen-month-old who's likely to jump on his, jump all over him, and you know he needs to focus. And poor old Vess, who I know quite well, um, can't cook, so she's been posting all these videos <laughs> on social media saying, "Get back here! I'm struggling. I'm <laughs> my house is falling apart." Anyway, I just love that. Hello, story. fresh. <laughs> or you? Fish. Yeah, I know. We still have to cook it. <laughs> well, yes, you still have to cook it, but you know. It's just follow. It's follow the bouncing ball. Oh, that's that's one of the best. If I go home and tell what Mrs. A, Russell, I'm just going to stay with mum and dad for a period. Get some home cooked meals. And, not up to it. Yeah. I'm going to go home and try it on and say, look, I really want to focus. You know, my downtime on my away from football. No, not, on my golf game. On my golf game. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I need to work I'll on my short six game weeks and my putting, honey. I'll be back in a fortnight. Uh, <laughs> see how that goes down. There'd be a frying pan whistling past you before you got to the front door. Was <laughs> I just love that. Uh, so anyway, there's our round eight report card with some breaking news. We're bringing it to you live right here on You Can Take Me Now. I have seen it all, whether you're listening to this on Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning, whenever you find the time to catch up with our little uh, show right here. Let's move. Go on. Magic okay. round was. Yeah. Magic, I was going to magic. I was building into oh, magic sorry. round. I thought you were wrapping it up. No, no, no. Round nine. Up there. We're going to be up there at Suncorp Stadium. Um, what uh, What are your re- requirements up there? What are you doing, I'm Matty? up there Saturday. Uh, what's the first game on Tigers, Saturday? Tigers-Panthers. 
Tigers and, Panthers. And no, then, oh, sorry, no, Saturday Knights. Bulldogs Knights. Yeah, Bulldogs Knights. Is Bulldogs the Knights. So I'll get to see whether the, the Newcastle Knights can go three in a row and build on their wins against Para and the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, who are they playing again? Uh, Bulldogs. <laughs> playing the Bulldogs. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we're just yeah. excited to be out there. Winning aren't starts we? on we Monday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Winning starts on Monday. It does. I'm there Matt, across the whole weekend doing sideline Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I'll be right down amongst the action with Beautiful. with all the hopefully. Lots of fans turn up because it'll be a great weekend. I'll be talking to you because I'm doing the Warriors and the Dragons at 5.30 on Saturday and then the Roosters and the Raiders. Um, That's a good one, isn't it? Is that, the, is that the match of magic round? Uh, yeah. Raiders, Roosters. Yeah. Yep. Quite Storm, possibly. The Storm game, who are they playing? The Storm Eels? Storm the could Eels. Be a good game Big game well. also, especially for Melbourne off the back of uh, Craig Bellamy. And um, by the time we get to tomorrow afternoon, as we record this on Monday morning, but um, it'll be fascinating to see the shape of who the Melbourne Manly Storm play? team. That'll be a good game too. Manly have got the Broncos, don't yeah. they? Yeah, well, that'll they be play interesting the Broncos to in see. This, which is now the traditional clash which yep. used to be the, the double header on the Saturday in round nine, mm. and they play Manly. It's a Manly home game. So yeah, Desi said they need a bit of magic and last with all year, their injuries. So that was a nice little wisecrack. A bit of magic. Yeah. And if you go back 12 months, Manly belted the Broncos on their own turf up there in the doubleheader last year. Mm. Gave it to them wow. in the second half. Um, well, both of them with a heap of injuries. So it'd be interesting to see. Maybe with McCulloch out, it'll bring – and Manly losing Lachlan Croker. Uh, it looked like. Don't it. know who they've got. To come into the halves, who's left? But they still—they just—they're making it work mm. with mm. sticky tape and bits of string and paddle mm. pop sticks at the moment, Manly. But they are making it work, and you know, I go back to those two wins against the the Raiders and the Rabbitohs. Still, for my my mind, the most impressive wins I've seen mm. this season, um, given where they should be and what they're actually doing on the field. Don't talk to me about the Roosters. <laughs> I know the Roosters are playing well and have had some really good wins, and they beat the Storm. But the most impressive wins um, from where the team started the season and with the rosters they've got to work with, Manly's wins against the Rabbitohs and the Raiders in a class of their own at the moment. Titans and Sharks kick it off on Thursday night up there at uh, Suncorp Stadium for the Magic Round. Um, Sharkies, you would think, um, given they've still got plenty of injuries, but they are finding a way, and that was a great win against Melbourne uh, on Friday night. Sharks. Chunkies. No, I'm going to tip the Titans. Wow. <laughs> I'm just going to tip the Titans. Because <laughs> he wants to keep them in the competition. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, there are a few teams that uh, when they clash head-to-head down the track, we are going to be uh, looking. We'll find a way. Yeah. Every game is crucial. Mm-hmm. Every game. But no, no I, think the ti- I think the Titans can win that. All I right. think they can win that. Tigers and Panthers, the first of the two games on Friday night. Uh, boy, you know, again, uh, it was 9-8 to the Panthers when they met at Penrith. Earlier this season, the Tigers, that's one they should have won. They should be five and three, the Tigers, and said they're four wins, four losses. If Esan Masters can kick a couple of goals that night, then they win that one without having to go to Golden Point. It'll be tight again and probably low scoring again. The Panthers just can't, as you mentioned, just can't score tries at the moment. And I don't really know how many tries. The Tigers are a bit hit and miss. Some, Some weeks they look good. Benji Marshall should be back. Probably make a big difference to that side as far as attack is concerned. I'll say the Tigers, but with no confidence. Yeah, the Brandy might get a game for Penrith this week. <laughs> well, he goes right. out the training to work with the halves. He might find yeah. himself wearing a jumper. So uh, West Tigers to win. Panthers are favourites, but anyway, I'm going to go West Tigers. Is that right? See, and, and that's that's got to be sentiment, hasn't it? Because if you're looking at Doesn't the Panthers and what they've shown in recent times, I, I mean. Yeah, they played a good game against the Rabbitohs two weeks ago, but, mm. you know, you're only as good as your last game. Mm. And with the injuries and the suspensions they'll have picked up off the back of last week. Well, I lost count the amount of passes from Penrith that went to ground the other day. Uh, something wasn't working. Mm. No, the amount of time there's no on magic. the attack it went They need to find to no some one. magic in magic yep. ground. Yeah, there's a few that do. Yeah, Manly v Broncos. <sighs> I'm going to say Manly. Yeah, I'm going to say the Seagulls. I, I just can't tip the Broncos at the moment. I know they were unlucky early in the game against the Rabbitohs with the nature of a couple of the tries that were scored, but really, and given what we've just heard about Andrew McCulloch and then there's drama, and when there's drama, stay away from teams where there is drama in the camp. And it, Actually, it seems like with um, James Roberts and Jermaine Asako, quite obviously, mm. um, Cody Nicarima left um, in very unhappy terms. There's drama, and an unhappy team is a losing team usually. No, I think Brisbane won. I've thought about it. Brisbane, no turbo, no DC. Lachlan Croker out. Adam Vanua Blake, a question mark. I just think that they'll be besieged. They're the home team in Magic Round. I I think that 
Brisbane can pinch it. I'm going to go Manly. They've got two very good hookers. They'll hope maybe move Appy into halves and, mm. yeah, I'm going to go Manly. Okay, uh, Dogs and Knights, we've spoken about them. What about the Warriors and the Dragons? Uh, the game I'm doing at 5.30, the middle game on Super Saturday. I've sworn to myself I'm never tipping the Warriors again after the weekend. I feel like They're I've been done. saying that for 10 years. I know, but I've, this is it. Yeah, okay. Done. Lara has put a foot down and I'm following suit. it's not just because they're playing the Dragons. Until I've won six in a row was, not tipping the Warriors again. I'm I'm going Dragons. Obviously, there's no Corey Norman with that fractured cheekbone. Jai Field. Uh, Possibly Tyson's got the eye injury. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, not not ideal, but I'll say the Dragons purely because I can't tip the Warriors at the moment. The Storm and the Eels. This is a difficult one given what we've seen from Melbourne in recent times. I know they were winning. But at some stage, the nature of those wins was going to come back to bite them, and it certainly did against the Sharks. And they oh, won't they won't they get a rocket this week? The, oh yeah, the was... complete opposite to the Warriors. When they are down, they're not down for long. Yeah. Melbourne to bounce back and beat Para. If they if the Parramatta Eels win this game, they can definitely they're keep booking... the, they can keep the first weekend of October free. But and yeah, yeah I think the Storm. We'll win this one. This game will tell you a lot about Parramatta. Yeah. Because mm. uh, if, if they don't play well in this game, as they didn't against the Newcastle Knights off the back of their first game at Bankwest Stadium, very quickly they'll develop the, you know, the, a team of like they're, they're great in front of their home fans on their home track but can't go on the road and win. Uh, it'll be a big game to uh, make a few assumptions potentially about the Parramatta Eels mm. game. Cam Munster's forward. been quiet in the last few weeks and he started the season on absolute fire. So let's see if he can get back to that form at Suncorp. Sunday, Roosters and Raiders. It, it probably is the game of the round up there at the Magic Round at Suncorp in Brisbane. Uh, you can't go past the Roosters at the moment. Um, yeah, absolutely. No. Cannot. The Roosters. A bit more breaking news. Isaiah Yo ruled out for the season with that shoulder injury. So Penrith without uh, the edge forward for the rest of the year. And their other edge. So kick out. Kick out six weeks. Six weeks again. Um, and now Isaiah Yo gone as well. So. Boy, it's tough up there at the foot of the mountains for uh, Ivan Cleary and the company. Uh, and as well as the Raiders are playing, quite obviously, um, you just can't not tip the roosters at the moment. And the Rabbitohs and the Cowboys to round it out up there at Suncorp. Uh, the Rabbitohs to w- win this one. Yeah, big turnaround for the Bunnies. They can have uh, the best part of week and a half, two weeks to get ready for this one and win, to keep the good times flowing, to keep the Goannas crawling across the surface. Hmm. Yep, Rabbitohs for me was. There you go. Well, I can't wait. It should be fascinating to see how it plays out. I've got a few worries about the field because the field up mm. there can chop up at that northern end where it doesn't get as much sunlight. Oh, he'll be pitch perving all weekend. You know? Oh, I was, yes. You'll be down giving us the – take your key with you. <laughs> Do your Tony Gregg impersonation. <laughs> I'll make it through a, a podcast. It's some week in the future. <laughs> not talking where about, I talk about grass. grass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it won't be this week. I've just okay, done it then. Fine. Um, I'm not sure it's a cooch. I think it's an overseas dry out there. Anyway, well, I'll, I'll give you the full report uh, next week as to the uh, condition of the field. Do you want the weather? <laughs> the weather for Magic yeah, go on, Round go on. No rain. Thursday, no rain. sunny twenty-seven. Friday, yes. sunny twenty-five. Yes. Saturday, sunny twenty-three. Oh, Sunday, sunny twenty-three. Queensland, oh. perfect one day. Sunny the next. <laughs> it will never rain north of the Tweed again. Ever was. Fantastic. It's been tremendous. Thank you, uh, Alan Wilkie, for giving us that weather report. (laughs) Until we see you next week. More animated than Alan. Let's go get magic. You can take me now. I've seen it all.